Batman Tasticast celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode in a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman and to introduce our hosts across the table from me, most of his notes might have been written by ChatGPT, it's Mr. Jordan Hugh. And seated across from me, the man who made the toaster feel love, Mike Staub. It's all I could do with these t- these skills and these talents, but we are talking <laughs> about broadcast order number 39, but production order number 38, Heart of Steel, part one. This is our fourth or fifth two-parter, right? I or think it's our fifth. Four, is it fifth? Hang on. Let's do a little two inventory. Face? Two-Face two part f- one, two. Clay-Face part one, two. Or Feet of Clay, I should feet say. Feet of Clay part one, two. Uh... uh Cat in the Claw. Cat in the Claw, part one and two. Robin's Reckoning. Robin's Reckoning in so, this yeah, one. So, this, 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 this is the fifth two-parter. This is the fifth two-parter, and it's probably up there with Robin's is Reckoning. Is the, the best? Well, wow. You know what? I was going to say, well, it's like the second or third best. It isn't, actually. Like, the two-parters have all been really good. Yeah, they've all been good. Two-Face well, is magnificent. Clayface, the, the Fleet of Clay yeah. episode is magnificent. Robin's Reckoning is magnificent. Yeah. This is on par with Robin's Reckoning. Maybe a little little behind. Maybe, maybe a little worse than Robin's Reckoning. It's definitely way better than Cat in the Claw. Oh, well, yeah. God, yeah. I, yeah. You know, I hesitate to use the word worse in conjunction with this episode at all, because I think these are great. Yeah, these are terrific episodes. And, you know, this one is... This first episode, Hard to Steel Part 1, it's much more of an expositionary episode. Like For sure. The it's, action, it's all... It's Well, it's not all. It's mostly it, set up. It's mostly set up. The action doesn't happen in this episode. It happens in Part 2. But I think this is a really, really great episode. These are two episodes. The part one and part two, I think, are perfectly balanced, which we don't normally get in these two-parters. In this two-parter? Yes. I think part two is much better. You think part two is much better? I do. But I don't think it's because part one's deficient. I think it's because everything, the payoff, everything, everything is in part two. Yeah. And there's, like... I, I think there's almost too much setup in part one here. Yeah, I actually kind of, I love the setup though. Like I like oh, no, I love I love like setup, that. Sure. I like that about it. So I totally get what you're saying. Uh, clearly, this episode is based off of these episodes are like totally based off of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, classic 50s and 60s sci-fi B and sci-fi horror. It has that feel. It has the feel of like old sci-fi. Yeah, to the point where like it almost doesn't feel like it's a Batman story. It feels I agree. like Batman's been kind of injected into this 1950s, you know, right. uh, Ray Punk, uh, you know, uh, retro futuristic kind of uh, sci-fi story. And this is very much, you know, really leaning into the period which Batman the Animated Series is possibly set in. Sure. I, I will say this. In terms of just science fiction content, these two episodes, part one and two, these are head and shoulders above anything else we yeah. have seen yeah. in terms of science fiction on the show. Yeah. So take, you know, yes, uh, you know, on leather wings, man turns into a bat. Uh, yeah. Take your eternal youth, people turning into trees. Take your um, other really big science fiction stuff that we've seen. I don't even know what else would, 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 would qualify. Uh, you could maybe... Uh, Strange Secret with yeah. the, uh, you know, the mind reading machine, perchance the dream with the altered reality. I, I would even argue... This is more science fiction than any of those. Absolutely. Even like Heart of Ice kind of yes. leans into science fiction a, a little bit. Because the level of tech and even just the look of the technology is much more weird and yeah. science fiction in yeah. this episode than it has ever been it's like really classic classic sci-fi right like classic film sci-fi maybe not classic novel sci-fi i'm not i'm not the english teacher here no no no, but but film you know uh and the visual references here are are aplenty you already mentioned invasion of the body snatchers but i'll throw in like the uh, even the old film metropolis a little stuff here of um you know clearly hardak is supposed to be um hal uh, Hal from from two thousand one. Two thousand one. There's a uh, bit of that. Yeah, there, there's so much of that. It's like they took like the pastiche of classic sci-fi, and they're like, we want a little bit of all of it. Yeah, yeah, and not space sci-fi. Very grounded Earth sci-fi horror. Yep, yeah, even a little space. A little, a little bit, space. A little bit. There's a little day of the Earth that's still going on. There's yeah. You know, I would definitely say also Terminator. Oh, I would definitely, say definitely Terminator. Blade Runner. Sure, Blade Runner. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we're going to... We'll original get, Westworld. Yeah, Original Westworld. Like, yeah. we'll get more into the Blade Runner comparison when we're when we talk about... Um, when we talk about Rossum. Uh, but, you know, this is one of those things where it's clear... This, this episode wears its influences, like, on its sleeve. As a kid, I don't remember really watching this episode much or really remembering it at all. I sort of misremember the episode. Yeah. Actually, if you listen to our episode from last week, I was like, yeah, I think this is the one with Robot Batman. 
it, it, everyone is a robot except for Batman. Everyone's a robot except for Batman. But doesn't Hardak come back? And isn't there a robot Batman at some point? Or am I wrong? I honestly don't remember. I don't remember. And if there is another Hardak episode, I don't think I've seen it. So yeah. uh, folks in the comment section, you could feel free to yell at us and be like, Hardak's the best character. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't remember. Some people might love Hardak as a villain. Uh, you know, an evil computer is always a good villain. To tell you the truth, I don't even remember Hardak in comics. I don't think Hardak is. I in remember the comics. Omac. Yeah, well, yes. from years later. But that was Batman's robot. But that was kind of similar. To oh, what's going very, on here. very similar. Very, very similar. But I also feel like Hardak. And Omac also has the big red eye. Omac does have the big red eye, and yeah. all those Omac robots or whatever. I think is that Checkmate? Is that part of the Checkmate program um, that Batman creates? That I'm not going to be proficient enough to like describe what happens in that storyline, but basically, it is that Batman has set up a system to defeat the world superheroes yeah. in case they turn corrupt, but especially the Justice League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, that's, and then I think Checkmate infiltrates his system and takes it. Yeah, and that's always a good thing. That's uh, never bad. Never right. bad when Batman designs some kind of plan to fight all the Justice League off. Oh, Batman, you paranoid son of a bitch. He is. He is definitely paranoid. I will say this episode while watching it, I didn't know what to expect right away, and I realized it's it's oddly kind of current in a weird well, way. AI. Yeah, I know. It's very much all about AI, and Bruce Wayne's take on AI is very much the positive take on AI right now. Because um, as of right now, while we're recording this, uh, this will probably be deleted by our robot overlords at some point. Um, <laughs> we are dealing with kind of the emergence of artificial intelligence used on a consumer level. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with inv inventions like AI art, what we're seeing a lot of with MidJourney and ChatGPT and, you know, governments of the world and creators well, of the world trying to figure out how the heck we're going to work yeah. alongside this. Since we're having this conversation now, I guess we could just, you know, go for it. Um, you know... I couldn't believe I was watching this episode now, and like even as I was watching the episode, like coming across the banner of my phone was just like, oh, new stories about yeah AI yeah, being yeah, developed, and I yeah. was like, I was like, wow, I guess we're finally living in the time where this thing kind of happens. Yeah. Now, what's funny is we don't really know, like as a society, how serious to take this. No. We don't really know know if this is just like okay, it's the next stage and yeah. how useful this tool is. Yeah. Or is this like the robots are coming and they're going to eat your children? I don't know. You know I don't know. I don't know. And it's one of those things where it's it, it's kind of like AI to me is kind of like VR. Okay. VR is something that's been around for a very long time. Right. Decades. Yeah. Decades. Uh, v early, and same thing with AI. And the same thing with AI. But VR goes dormant and then comes back and then goes dormant and then comes back because it, it goes out of the consumer market and more into like a developmental phase and then it comes out. Uh, I feel like AI might be the same way. It feels like it's kind of two parts of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know enough about these things to really develop any sort of factual understanding on what AI does or what it's going to do. But at the same point, yeah, we don't know. We don't know. And it's hard for us to judge. Anything we judge with AI right now is anything we say about it could either be 1,000% true or completely off. I well, don't think, yeah. We can say this with confidence. We know that the next steps in technology, yeah. uh, whatever the next generation of technology is, it's always veiled from us. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. by the time we know about it, it's already been in production for years and of years. Of course, of course. So I assume, being we have things like ChatGPT and things like that now, that there is some much larger, much more sophisticated version of that that is still being worked on. Yeah. And a lot of folks have suggested ones that are self-correcting or self-designing or ones that could essentially teach themselves. And I think that's where people get afraid. Yeah. And that's what Heart of Steel addresses is, okay, and this has been, by the way, delightfully part of science fiction for the last 150 yeah. years, yeah. is kind of like at one point, sorry, rather, at what point does technology cross a threshold yeah. into its own kind of self-awareness? Yep. And then once it achieves self-awareness, what does it decide its purpose is? Yeah. Which is a very human thing to think about. Of course. Because as human beings, at every stage of life, we're always kind of asking ourselves, what's my purpose? I know. What's I saw, my life's purpose? I've seen Avenue Q a lot. <laughs> purpose. It's that little flame. Uh, yeah. Um, and, and robots would probably try to think of some ways to be more efficient. At least that's our assumption about them. Yeah. And Hardak takes that to the extreme of saying, oh, well, you want a vision of the world that is free of human error. Well, then I must get rid of the humans. Yeah. Yeah, because human humans are the ones who, who commit human error. Now, right. I and feel in this like... way, Hardak is exactly the same as... Ultron. He's an Ultron. He's also like... 
every evil robot computer from Star Trek, the original yep. series, yep. he's also Hal. He's yeah. also... In other words, every time we make this villain, he's always the same. He's always super logical right. and follows logic to a fault. Right. He's always trying to achieve the state of perfection yes. that is unattainable by humans. Exactly. And I think it works in this episode. I think it, it works it super really, works. really well. It works really well. But it, I think it's... I think it's a, it's a... Like I said, it's a great episode. I also... Um, they introduce a character in this episode called uh, named Carl Rossum, yeah. Rossum <laughs> yes. who is uh, not from the comic books from my understanding. And he is a reference to uh, a Czech play uh, called Rossum's Universal Robots or RUR. Um, it's a Czech play from the 1920s about artificial humans written by, I believe it's Carol Chapek is okay. the name. Carol C-A-R-E-L Chapek, um, which I'm, I don't, I can't speak... I can't speak Czech or whatever uh, Czech or or that language, so I'm not 100 percent <laughs> real sure. sensitive, Mike. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what language. I'm, I'm unfortunately I do not know Czech and mate. That's right. I don't know what languages they speak in the Czech Republic, but um, I imagine his name is Carol Chapek, which is probably why this character's name is Carl Rossum, because I think C A R E L is I think. Oh, close. I see. Okay, sure. And uh, R U R is the name of that. It's also used on the license plate. Ah, uh, that's right for mm-hmm. the car. Uh, that we will see. The, the character is also played by actor, actor William Sanderson. Oh, yeah. And it's animated to look just like him. Who is, and he plays the same role he played in Blade Runner. Same role he plays in Blade Runner, pretty much, which is kind of cool as like the guy who kind of creates and right. and like codes the, the replicants. He's coding yes. the duplicants in. Yes, very in intentional. This. And I'm a big Sanderson fan, especially from Deadwood. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, he's, he plays yeah. Farnham, and he's awesome. I haven't seen Deadwood, but it's a show I should A show you watch. would love, yeah. by the way. I also, totally outside of this podcast, yeah. Mike Stout would love oh, Deadwood. Oh, I would love Deadwood. I love the Western, uh, and I like HBO shows. So, And for a while, I was afraid to push it on you because I was like, oh, it's just three seasons, and they canceled it, and there was no ending. And then years later, actually not too long ago, they did a movie to do the finale. That wrapped it up. And it was perfect. I'll tell you this much, too. When you tell me a show is three seasons long at this point, that is like giving me a vacation. I'll give you another vacation. It's three seasons and the seasons are short. What are they, like six or eight episodes? I think they're 10 to 12. But that's but, okay. But they're not 22 is no, the point. No, no, no. I, I don't think anything's really 22 anymore. No, that's like the that's like the silver age. That's like nineties nineties yeah. era. Everything was twenty two episodes a season. Right. It just I can't believe because they, they were just that. trying to fill time. Yeah, they and get, just get to one hundred. Right. Get to one hundred episodes. Yeah. 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 So uh, I also want to say that I find it hilarious that the company Rossum has founded and works for is Cybertron. Right. Which is just taken from Transformers. Oh, is that the same thing? That's the same planet. Oh, so I the Transformers, forgot. the Transformers so are funny. from the planet Cybertron. <laughs> So the fact that, so when they're like, when Bruce is that Lee, why Hardak has a little Optimus ears or something like that? See, I, maybe, okay. maybe that's why it, that could be hundred percent accurate. I didn't think of it that way. I thought it kind of looked like Batman. It does kind of look like Batman. It kind of looks too. like Batman. Yeah. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, is this a giant Batman robot? Right. Like, is this Batman's computer that's gone haywire? And then I watched the episode and it's not. I will say that the, the two, the two ear antennae, uh, they do kind of remind me of a lot of old, like, 50s, 60s sci-fi robot characters. I yeah. think they all kind of have that. Yeah, I think it's like the little dome head with the two little antennas. Right. It's also like the Jetsons yeah, and, like, you know, yeah. everything else like that. All that it, kind it's of... certainly... Hardak certainly, and this is what I love about the aesthetic of these two episodes, Hardak certainly has the look of something that was the past's idea of what the future would look like. Yeah. We call this um, retro-futurism is yep. the name of this yep. aesthetic choice. Right. And it's, it's all over these two episodes right. because these robots don't look like what robots might have looked like then. They look like what they think robots are going to look like in the future. And they almost, almost, now this is it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but the way their body shape is and the way their head shape is and the way everything comes together, they almost look like they could have been somewhat influenced by the Studio Ghibli robots from Castle in the Sky. Uh, they kind of have a similar... Is that around at that point already? Yeah, I think Castle in the Sky might have been 86. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. So, so, so they're definitely around. So the thing with it is that those movies might not have been known in the States. Well, they would have been known to our animators, though. They would have been known to the animators, and they probably would have been known to the... Yeah, Castle in the Sky is 86. So they would have been known to... It's I think in Japan it's called Laputa, um, something like that, and that's the name of the, the, the floating What did you island. call me? Uh, don't worry about it. All right. And in... I believe that like Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki was heavily influential in animation circles before those movies really started coming out. That makes sense. Sure. Of course. And at this point, 92, 93, we're getting the first of like the Studio Ghibli dubs. The first of like the Studio Ghibli dubs that are coming over, like the the original dub of Totoro before Disney got involved and actually hired crazy Mm -hmm. voice talent and stuff like that. So people definitely have seen uh, 
Castle in the Sky at this point. And uh, I think the robots might have taken a little influence from that, but that's more episode two than episode one. Uh, another big intro. Now, this isn't her first episode in the bre- broadcast order. She showed up in I Am the Night, I believe, or something like that. There's an episode that airs well, earlier. We than don't this. do broadcast. I know order. we don't do broadcast. This order. is a way better introduction. Way better her. introduction. So uh, let's let's give a round of applause for Barbara Gordon. Barbara Gordon finally on the show. Thank God. Thank uh, goodness. One of our favorite characters. Great character. Uh, this show, meaning Batman Tasticast, not Batman the Animated Series. We might not be the biggest fans of Robin. Well, but I outright hate Robin. You outright yeah, hate Dick Grayson Robin. Robin. Um, yes. To be clear, not Tim. No, Tim's fine. Dick only. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed this time. I did. I did, I did. I'm immature. So, Barbara Gordon shows up in this episode and is already, like, head and shoulders better than Robin. She's also, like, I think part of it's the Melissa Gilbert voice acting yeah. performance. Who's, I mean, she's awesome. Uh, it's the way she's animated. She is very present and fun and cool and, let's be honest, really attractive yep. right away. So even as a young boy, I remember being like, oh, my God, who is this? Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know? And you sort of fall in love right away. And even if people are not romantically interested in Barbara, they are interested in this character. She yeah, is a firecracker. She is awesome. Uh, I, I like this version of Barbara a lot. I also like the Harley Quinn version of Barbara a lot, who's like the kind of like college tech Tech oh yeah, she's they also do a great. nice job with her in that show yeah, too. Yeah, these two animated series is, are real series. These two animated series are really good companion pieces. Yeah, uh, I highly suggest uh, watching them almost side by side. I but, highly suggest listening to our forthcoming podcast. Yes, about exactly. Harley Quinn. Yes, if we can uh, more we on get, that later. If we, get, if we can get if we can get our acts together on that well, one, it'll, we'll get it together. We'll get there. It'll it'll happen. It's our summer project. Mike. Yeah, definitely. There's always a summer some people project. build a house. We're going to do a podcast. Of course, of course. But uh, yeah, they they hit you with Barbara Gordon right away. She's awesome. Uh, I love how the show even like goes to you. She's home from college, perverts. So it's like you know she's not like underaged, which is which is nice. I have to believe at least part of that she's home from college line and the decision to make her college age yeah. uh, is twofold. One is because we know we're getting an aged up version of the character who is going to be a contemporary of Dick Grayson's because yeah. he's also in college in this yep. series. And the other thing is that they want to romanticize her a little bit, yeah. right? And kind of say to us now as adult male viewers, by the way, like, hey, it's okay to be attracted to this person. Yeah. This is a person yeah, yeah, who's yeah. an adult. Yes. So they, I think that's why they put that in there right at the top. Yes, I do. Uh, part of me wishes that we got Batgirl, but I'm okay with her kind of... Well, we get it pretty soon. Pretty soon. And, and I'm also okay with her like kind of assuming the role of Batgirl by the end of part two. Well, it's we'll actually just so nice to see her before she's Batgirl. Yeah, and how um, she's got like a, like a kind of like a... Uh, like, this is very appealing to her. I agree. Part two really leads us up to her transformation, but even in this first episode, she's she's very canny. Yes. She's very yes. clever with it. And, uh, we're yeah. interested in her character, yeah. 100%. And uh, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, because it's a favorite of ours. Episode kind of does feel a little bit like one of our favorite movies, The World's End. Uh, oh, the yeah. Edgar Wright film, The World's End, which is also based off Invasion of the Body Snatchers and all these B... Uh, 50 sci-fi, uh, sci-fi and horror movies where you know people are being taken over by aliens <laughs> or robots. So, so yeah, the yeah. world's end is the third part of the three Cornettos trilogy, yep. which is the it represents the end of the collaborations between uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright. Yes, and it's fucking awesome. It's a great movie. Uh, and yeah, of course, since they're fighting, you know, robots that have taken over their town and like some entity that is very similar to Hardak, it is impossible to watch Heart of Steel and not just constantly think of everything they say in yes, The World's End. Yes, yes. I, I love that movie. If you haven't watched The World's End, uh, you should. You should. <laughs> A man of your legendary prowess drinking fucking rain. <laughs> <laughs> Gary King. So, uh... I think we actually kind of covered <laughs> all the IMDb trivia and kind of our talking Did we? points here. We go yeah, through it. We definitely covered Carl Rossum pretty People much. People like to hear it again anyway. Carl Rossum, the inventor of the duplicates, is voiced by William Sanderson, who played JF uh, JF Se- Sebastian. JF yeah. Sebastian in Blade Runner 1982, a generic uh, genetic designer behind the replicants. Who is again? It's the same character. Yep, Howard Ack. His in appearance resembles Hal from 2001: A Space Odyssey. Something you should all all watch. Um, even with the one big red eye, this is the. I my other favorite Hal knockoff is um, for folks that have seen the movie Wally. Oh yeah, the, the ship's wheel. Yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah, yeah. Also yeah. Hal. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of Hal's yeah, out there, and probably a little bit of Tron too. Sure, a lot of Hal knockoffs out there. Uh, this is the second appearance of Barbara Gordon in 
broadcast order. She is in first appears. Right. In I am the knight is first. In I am the knight yeah. in broadcast order. An episode where uh, Jim Gordon gets shot, and uh, she's in that episode. Also, not as Batgirl. The uh, the blonde woman who uh, who we will find out later in the episode. His name is Randa. Uh, the license plate on her getaway car says R U R. Uh, this is a reference to uh, Rossum's Universal Robots, which is the play we mentioned earlier from the 1920s. Uh, K- uh, K-Pak is, uh, is uh, credited with coining the term robot as it, as being used in science fiction, so that's really, really cool. Yeah. Hardak appears to be based on Skynet from the Terminator franchise. Obviously, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, one of the biggest action slash science fiction movies of all time, had released um, only a year before this show. So nice. we are. So people were hot on killer robots. People at this like time. their killer robots. I think people still like killer robots. Everyone loves killer robots, exactly. though Westworld recently canceled. Yes. Uh, well, because those last two seasons weren't great. Yes. This is Jonathan Nolan's fault. It's yes. not the fault of good no. old killer robots. No, no, no. We could we could have done better with Westworld. Westworld. They left. Literally anyone could have done. Better they with they left the park. After you leave the park, it's not interesting anymore. So apparently, in season four, they go back to the park, but I didn't it's too see, late. I didn't watch season four. Me neither. No one did. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's a good idea. I'm happy they canceled it. Anyway, <laughs> and then they sold it. HBO Max is like we're not even carrying it. Yeah, I know we're not gonna we can get rid of it because they don't want to pay. I guess whatever. I think it was more that they could make more money selling it off to somebody else. Uh, yeah, it'll be. On I don't it. even know who has it. Probably Amazon. One of the beggar companies like Roku or something oh, like yeah, that probably has it. Watch it on Crackle. <laughs> All right, everyone. Let's get into the episode. Let's do it. This episode. Let has, us do it. Let us go. This episode has a ton of scenes. Oh There's yeah, a this, this is a packed episode. Packed. This is this is a tight packed episode. All right, we get our our theme song. We get our title card. Uh, we see what we'll eventually know is Hardak on a black background. He's just a big nasty toaster. Big evil toaster. Kind of reminds me of Master Mold a little. A bit. little bit. I a mean, he doesn't bit. look like Master Mold, but he just kind of sits uh, there and he's huge. It's close. He looks a little like Master it's Mold. Close. It's close. I'll give it to him. And we see Heart of Steel written what I can only describe as like font you would see on like a military yeah, like a, bag yeah. or like mm-hmm. or like a box right. like a, like a crate it you know, is like very a, like a stencil font it's very military yeah. yes exactly um episode is directed by kevin altieri who does very good work and written by bryn stevens and i think this is the first bryn stevens episode i believe so i believe so we're at wayne enterprises at night we see the wayne enterprises employee leaving the building uh, i'm not sure if they're supposed to be robots but the way in which they operate and move is purposely drawn uh, yeah. to be super robotic. I don't to like. I don't think they're robots. Yeah, I don't think they are. But I think it's kind of like a bring this bring this trilogy up again. I think it's Shaun kind of, of like dead. a Shaun of the Dead type. Well, they thing show where how it's people like, are already zombies. You're already zombies, yeah. Right? You're already yeah. zombies. Mm-hmm. Like we're already robots. Who clock in, clock, clock out, out, work, work, work. Exactly. So we then see a, a blonde woman in a white suit, skirt suit. Uh, drop off a briefcase a security guard asks if he can help her but then she walks off um what i'm going to say right now is if you see something you, you got to say something yeah you can't just leave a briefcase yeah there. i know I, but this was before 9-11 yeah so. yeah i mean yes and now post 9-11 <laughs> we I, I sat there and i'm like I'm post 9-11 they would have tackled her yeah and she would have been shot <laughs> um so then the guard picks up the briefcase and and tries to figure out what goes on uh we cut to the security office we see the two guards talking about the case and the the one main guard says i think it belongs to that woman to which his partner assumes there may be a reward for finding it. So, But then the briefcase pops open on its own. Yeah, a reward for finding a briefcase containing a blank notepad and a uh, pen. Yeah, sometimes that stuff happens. You want to go get some pizza? Yeah, let's get <laughs> pizza. Says. I like pizza. Pizza is good. He's not a robot. Oh, pizza robot. Um, they assume that the secured briefcase should open like that. And then they agree to just wait till tomorrow to handle it. As the guards are like making their way out of the the security room, they bump into Bruce Wayne, quite literally, who's on his way out. When does he sleep? Never. He's at work late. It's after dark, and he's about to. I, I think he's about to go be Batman. Oh yeah, he's absolutely yeah. about to go be Batman. So when did he sleep, Mike? He got in from fighting crime at dawn. He might. He sleep. went to work. Yeah. And now he's going to go be Batman again. Yeah. When does he sleep? He he had two days off when he got hit with that fear toxin. <laughs> You know what? Batman is grateful whenever the scarecrow comes yeah. around because he just gets a couple days off. Yeah, he's like, oh god, I can sleep yeah, this sleep off. off the fear talks. It'll be a fear Thank sleep. God. It'll be a fear sleep, but it'll, it'll do it. Good enough. So they almost bump. They pretty much bump into him on the way out, and he admits that the alarm systems make him nervous. So he wants to get out of the building before the alarms are set. I yeah, he's the alarm system. Yeah, he's Batman. I mean, well, I mean, he's not literally the alarm system, yeah, I mean, but it's just like he's he's got stuff to do tonight. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. think he cares about the alarm. He's too busy. Um, we then cut back to the briefcase that's sitting in the security office, and we see 
the handle turned into some kind of like metallic snake eye. Like it's like an eye at the end of like a metal snake. It Yes, it looks like the snake you put down the toilet. Yes, yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I got to unclog that thing. I have seen things. <laughs> the briefcase then grows legs and leaves the security office. Yes, yeah, totally normal. Totally normal. Yeah. Uh, the robot briefcase w- walks through the Wayne Enterprises lobby and uses its robotic tendril arms and legs to get into the stairwell. It shoots a rocket-powered <laughs> grappling cable up to the top of the stairwell and rides it up. I'm, we're only about halfway through the description of this thing and what it's capable of, and it's already more powerful than most of the rogues. Oh, yeah. This, point. this thing is ridiculous. And also, the design of it is actually really fun yeah. and kind of scary. Oh, it's it totally It would have made a great toy. Oh, this, this, would be like, this would be an excellent, like... But they did not make this toy. It had to be like a one-to-one ratio toy for it to be good. Right. You know, because yeah. if this was like a, with an action figure, it would be kind of lame. I don't believe they ever made a hard act or anything Definitely like that. Definitely not. Unless yeah. it was a... Pl- hard act would have had to have been a playset. Hardak would have been a playset. They could have made like a Renda yeah. and then like a robot Renda with maybe the briefcase as like a side yeah. like add-on thing, yeah. but they but they didn't. It's no. a one-episode thing. Yeah, that's it. We then see the front doors of Wayne Enterprises and the security guard is trying to get Bruce Wayne out. He's having a rough time finding the right key to unlock the door and Bruce Wayne is visibly frustrated. Let me say had, something. Yeah. Listen, this guard, he is let in an evil robot suitcase. Yep. He walked right into Bruce Wayne. Yep. And then he can't find the key to let him out. He's fucking fired. Fired. That's how you lose your job. This guy's fired. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Bruce Wayne's probably frustrated because he just really wants to be Batman. Uh, like, he might have had a hard day at work and he might need to beat up on someone. I can't keep continu- continuing to be Bruce Wayne. I need to be Batman right be, now. I need to be Batman I right now. I need to be Batman. I, I need it. All right. We cut back to the top floor. Like I said, a lot of scenes in this episode. The robot briefcase is able to get under sec- the security lasers with the security system and enter the research and development room by overriding the kind of security keypad on the wall. <laughs> I love how cheerful the entrance to R&D looks. Yeah. It's like decorated with like a beaker. It's and like, a, hey, you know, it's like, oh, how nice. Welcome like to a R&D. child's playroom. Yeah, we're going to make terrible things in here. <laughs> the robot uses a laser to cut through the wall in R&D to enter a room that's filled with like safes. And it cuts through one of the safes and then uses a vacuum attachment because, of course, to steal a bunch of what appear to be microchips. Yes. It's at this moment that the alarms sound and Bruce Wayne, who's terrified the alarms clearly, uh, and the security guards, they run uh, to the cameras to see what's going on. And they see a robot on the screen in the secured room. The The guards pull Bruce away and put him in like a room to be safe on the side. It's like an office. But um, he's Batman. So (laughs) he's in the safe room and... Bruce Wayne says aloud to uh, aloud to himself, "Stay put." I don't think so. And then he uses a secret panel on the door and the wall to shift the corner of the room and create a like a hidden passageway. And uh, yeah, yeah, this got me thinking how many spots there are in Gotham where he can do this. So obviously, listen, he's in Wayne Enterprises, so I imagine there's probably multiple places inside this building that turn into like either a mini bat cave or give him access to an exit, or at least certainly to a bat suit. Yeah. I wonder how many spots there are in the city where he has little mini bat caves set up. Because we've seen a few. Caches, yeah. Yes, little caches of like mini bat caves. And certainly Wayne Enterprises would host one. Um, how many companies does Wayne Enterprises own? How many well, so that's the thing. do they own? That is, I think, the clue. Yeah. And I think that's probably the most vulnerable thing. Because a villain could just be like, oh, I found another one of these bat caves. Is it... Is it always just in Wayne companies? That's a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, maybe he's got some agreements <laughs> with some other people. I, I don't know. Uh, but there's also probably shell companies and and holding companies that don't have his name attached. I'm just that. saying an enterprising IRS agent can figure this out. Oh, yeah. They could put it back together. I mean, if the robots can figure it out and Hugo Strange can figure it out, I imagine, you know, someone who does a little snooping can probably figure it out. <laughs> anyway. To paraphrase the Joker, Batman's no problem, but tangled with the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> We cut back to the hallway in the R&D uh, area. The guards enter the R&D room as the robot leaves. Ne- neither of them really care about the security lasers at this point. The guards try to chase the robot down, but he hits him with the gas. And uh, Yeah, this thing's got deadly gas, yeah, too. He's, My he's, God. He's, he's equipped to the nines. The robot has everything. Yep. The robot tries to get into the elevator, but is the met robot. by... The robot. The robot. The robot is... He tries to get into the elevator, but is met by Batman. And <laughs> Batman, he, that's that's the moment. Batman grapples him with one of his uh his kind of grappling hooks and dr- tries to drag him, but he's ha- actually having a hard time. I imagine this thing is heavy and actually pretty well, strong. It's got like these little little pointy legs, yeah, and like, like you hear it squeak a squeaking on the tiles. Yep, yep, and it's scree- it's scratching, and it's got like this like nails on chalkboard kind of sound. Right, it has feet like one of those compasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. like a compass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the robot just lasers the wire. 
and gets out of Batman's grip. The laser's and, incredibly powerful. It destroyed the entire floor. And it destroys the elevator. And Batman has to like jump out of the elevator or he's going to fall. And lastly, the robot makes its way to the roof as Batman arrives. And then it starts uh, firing its lasers at Batman. It then collapses. Yeah, this thing comes very close to killing Batman quickly. Yeah, really easily. If he gets hit with one of those lasers, it's not He's It's dead. not a stun laser. No, 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 it will the, go through him. It's straight up murder your family lasers. Right. So it collapses, its arms fall off, and then it shoots a mini missile. Missile. It shoots a mini missile that is hidden in like a compartment in the briefcase away yeah, from Batman. It's, it's very funny. It like It's almost like a Looney Tunes cartoon yeah, yeah, where it, yeah, yeah. Like, it rockets itself away. But I love this. It leaves its disguise behind. Yes. Like it left it like the it left the suitcase parts behind, yeah. like the fucking notepad and yeah, shit is yeah, just yeah. left there. It just left it and it, it shot out the rocket. And then Batman goes into like some sort of like shipping container or like roof closet. Yeah, again, another cache. Another cache. And he opens it with a remote and he pulls out a bat glider. He pulls it out in a very funny way, though, because yeah. usually his stuff opens like sort of he's elegantly, gonna... like he's already wearing it. This was almost like, oh, I gotta fucking set this thing yeah, up. Hang I, on, this I takes a minute. It. It's like it's like <laughs> trying to assemble like anything. Right. Like, you know, oh, there was like a meeting sometime man. later. It's like, listen, Lucius, I need a better way to set up the bat glider. It takes too long. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like when you when you try to put up like a like a volleyball net, something like that. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It is. It's yeah, it's very it's like, volleyball it's like, that oh, ask. Yeah, or like on. a tent. Like, yeah, like a tent. That's perfect, actually. I also like that it doesn't have a head on it. <laughs> right. Because the Batman's head is the head. Right. He's, he's the bat head. He's the bat head, which I like. Um, we then see the rocket kind of arc over Gar- Gotham City, and it lands on a, be- uh, a beach where the blonde woman from before opens it, and she takes all these microchips out of it and dumps them into what I can only describe to be a dice bag. Right, it's a little like drawstring pouch. Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> um, we have to mention, or I have to mention as the podcast designate pervert, um, she's very sexy and we have not seen her face. They don't show her face yet. We saw just her body so far in this very form-fitting little white yeah. skirt suit. Yeah. And now she's here again, um, you know, and she's just kind of like walking down the beach and... I, you know, very seductively. And the bombshell nature of her, even before you see her face, is also something that feels like it comes from 50s, 60s yeah, sci-fi, yeah, where yeah, the yeah. women were very uh, sort of over-sexualized yep. as part of that. Yeah, as part of the whole thing. Uh, pretty much rape. And even, like, specifically her haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ray Punk and Retrofuturism and Adam Punk and all that stuff. Right. That's all very much part of it. 100%. All married, like, these, you know... That's part of the vibe. Well, the, 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 the pinup almost yeah, the pinup era. It's something sort of glamorous about being that woman yes. who is going to be the femme fatale of this sci-fi feature. Yes. And she's actually masterful at her job because she just pulled this whole thing off incredibly well and uh, actually got right. the better of Batman. Right. I also love that there's like just a secret villain island like just off the coast of Gotham City. Yep. So yep. I guess you know it must be like a series of Gotham islands, but this one's like all right. Bum, bum, bum. She uh, then climbs up, uh, kind of walks up uh, off the beach and gets into a car, which she this, commands to drive. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of Syndrome's Lair from yeah, The Incredibles. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, uh, she commands the car to drive, and the car drives off on its own. And then she checks the camera behind it to see that Batman is flying above her in his cool bat glider. And then she commands the car to shoot him. Yeah, she says something like intruder, now, yeah. uh, rectify yeah, now or now. something like that. Now, but um, it's funny because, again, we have another AI thing here, which yeah. is another technology that's trying to be developed is self-driving cars. Self-driving cars. How far are we from this? Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know the tech. Probably not far. Apparently, the last <laughs> self-driving car, there's there's some issues. Yeah, there's some there's, there's I think some someone problems. died. <laughs> and the electric, the electric cars, their batteries will burn forever if, it, if they catch fire. There's some issues. You know what, though? They're still... They're working out the kinks. I actually think we're going to see the self-driving cars in our lifetime. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, because, you know, they got to get rid of, you know... They can't allow people to drive their own cars anymore. Well, listen, I you know, uh, the uh, political writer George Will is fond of telling this story. Uh, in the first year where there were, like, cars. Yeah. <laughs> like, when people started getting cars. I believe it was in the state of Ohio. The first two cars that were registered to owners, two cars yeah. in the state of Ohio... Got into a car accident with and crashed other. with each yeah, other. Which is stupid. <laughs> so, yes, there's like a trial and error period yeah. for all technology yeah, when you're out. first encountering the users. Yeah, people die. Um, <laughs> so, Batman gets shot and he has to like get out of the way and he crashes down on the beach and like face down in the sand. We see that Batman's mostly okay, but he's clearly kind of like in pain or injured or something like that. And he walks it yeah, off. Score one for the machines. The machines are actually kind of score two for the machines they're, they're, so far. They're, they're wrecking house. We then go back to the Batcave. Uh, Batman drags his waterlogged bat 
glider into the back cave and alpha remarks just i love it i do wish you i do wish you wouldn't be so rough with your toys master bruce yeah very cute to which batman he's got no time for this like he's done <laughs> batman looks at him he's like Ugh. the best is like alfred gets these little jabs in and they're perfect and batman like is not someone who has batman has i know batman is i know so, he's a sociopath <laughs> And he's an absolute <laughs> egomaniac. Yes. So, like, the fact that Alfred, like, kind of kicks him when he's down a lot is hilarious. Oh, no. So many moments in the show are only bearable because Alfred oh, is yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Batman apparently has this, like, metal arm system that pulls the back glider away. This is like Chekhov's metal arm system yes. because we've never yes. seen it before. And as soon no. as we see it, we're like, there's something up with that. Yeah, something's going to happen. Batman's screwed. And then Alfred gets a call and he picks it up. And it's uh, Lucius Fox looking to speak to Bruce. And then Bruce puts it on speakerphone. Mm. Ooh, 1950s speakerphone. Lucius tells Bruce... But did you, you saw the phone had a cord, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I did. The show selectively has cell phones or not. Yeah, whenever they feel like it. Right. But yeah. in the same episode where we have like wild futuristic yes. technology, yes. it's like, yeah, the phone's on a cord. Yeah, it's on a cord. But put on speaker. So Lucius tells Bruce that they got away with the prototype protein silicon water, wafer chips, which actually sound kind of delicious. However, they weren't able to get the design specs, which is good. So the thieves aren't, they're not able to duplicate the chips, but they have the chips that Wayne Tech had. Batman then describes them as wetware, which I'm not sure why they're called wetware, but well, I they, don't know. Well, they technically shouldn't be called wetware. What I was able to discern about wetware technology, which is still something that is not in final stages of development at all, is these are... Similar to what we see in like Marvel comics with like Tony Stark and yeah, like yeah, his, yeah. you know, little like microorganisms nano, like nanotech. Wetware is supposed to be like organic computer components. Oh, that's good. It's supposed to be like living computer yeah. components that like operate the same way a machine would. Obviously, we're not there yet, but it's funny. I didn't realize this conversation about organic computer systems had started as early as this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's um, always. It's probably definitely been part of sci-fi for a while. Yeah, so this is actually like a fun Wikipedia adventure if yeah. you want to start at wetware and kind of go from that, and you will see like things that people have tried to do with organic computer systems, which is pretty amazing. I'm not sure if that's where we're heading in the future, but it's interesting that this br episode brings it up in the same episode where there's so much talking about yeah. AI. Yeah, no, absolutely. But Bruce then goes on to describe, describe that it's AI and robots and all the things that uh, Alfred thinks will undo us all, saying that sounds as if the human race will become quite expendable. Alfred is cautious and probably correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're only gonna, they're only going to liquefy us. We then cut to Bruce Wayne's office. Looks like Gordon is discussing the case with Bruce and Lucius Fox. Gordon was specifically pointed... Uh, to this case by the mayor. I'm not sure if that's how crime and police work works, but he's the mayor and no, the mayor's I, friends with Bruce. I think that that seems to check out. Yeah. I, I know for sure the mayor of any major city and his commissioner of police are yeah. like always together. Yeah, yeah. So that, that seems correct. Even still, even if, even if the mayor, even if the mayor doesn't have the power to tell Gordon what, what he can and can't do, I mean, Gordon's going to listen to the mayor. A hundred percent. But I, I, I think that is accurate. Okay. Your, your mayor of wherever you live and your commissioner yeah. of police are usually like hand in hand. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, Fox brings up that the only company that would want to take this stuff on the East Coast is a company that's working with AI and robotics is Carl Rossum's company and their team over at Cybertron. Which is now very funny now that I realize that. Transform and roll out. <laughs> at the end of today, <laughs> one will stand and one shall fall. Gordon then uh, assumes that Rossum has retired, but Bruce says he went into semi-seclusion after his daughter had died. Which ends up being wildly important. Oh, and yeah. It's, it's kind of it's just barely away. stated. So it's not like Rossum's trying to make a robot daughter for himself. Oh, well. What? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out much more in part two, but well, this little line in this one scene becomes catastrophically important. Apparently, then Bruce interjects that Rossum taught Batman everything he knows about robotics and electronics, rather. Because Batman is a master engineer on top of being a master acrobat, an escape artist, a magician, a martial artist. And he also makes a million cherry cobbler. I'm sure he does. It, it probably does. It's probably delectable. So while they're talking, Bruce says he's going to go talk to him. Uh, they're interrupted by Barbara Gordon, who walks in, uh, coming in, looking a lot like. And I had to make this 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 comparison because I've been reading Spider-Man comic books since I was about at old enough to read. She comes in like Mary Jane Watson yeah. in Amazing Spider-Man number 42 from 1963, where famously Peter Parker is set up on a blind date by Aunt May. Aunt May's good friend has a, has a niece 
I think it's a niece. I think it's her niece that's in town. And Aunt May sets up Peter on this date. And he, he historically and hilariously doesn't want to go on this date. Right. Because it's like, it's oh, be come some on. Ugly girl. He thinks it's going to be some <laughs> awful girl. He doesn't want to go on a blind date. And then he opens up the door and sees it's Mary Jane Watson. And she says the line. And she says the line, face it, tiger, you just hit the jackpot. Right. Big line. Um, big line. Which is a big line and one of the best lines and one of the most memorable lines in, in all comics. All comic books ever. And one of the most memorable panels in all comics ever. So as a Spider Man fan, I gotta tip my hat to uh, Barbara Gordon here, who is much more Mary Jane Watson in this show than she is in the comic books. Than she is really anywhere else. Anywhere and else. actually this was something I wasn't sure about until you actually sent me this picture yeah. today yep. of what Mary Jane looked like in that first appearance, and I was like, Oh, he's definitely going for a Mary Jane thing. I will say this. Barbara is more diminutive yes. than Mary Jane is. Yeah. She's basically Mary Jane if Mary Jane got shrunk. Shrunk, yeah. Because Mary shrunk. Jane is supposed to be like kind of statuesque and model-esque. Yeah. She's yeah, like yeah. a little taller, like a yeah. little thinned out. Um, Barbara Gordon is like pint-sized Mary yeah. Jane. Yeah. Right? She's small. And also at the same time, if you look at Bruce Timm's art for when he's drawn Mary Jane, which he's yeah. done, and Bruce Timm actually has some great Spider-Man stuff. This is something I would like to talk to you about on another podcast at another time. <laughs> okay. It actually does kind of resemble his Barbara Gordon. Right. I get it. Even like the color of her hair, like in the comic books, Barbara Gordon's more of a, and I know this is like splitting hairs here, quite literally. Barbara Gordon in the comic books is more of an orange redhead. Yes. And And so is is Jim Gordon. And so is Jim Gordon. And Barbara Gordon on the cartoon is more of a red redhead. Right. Yeah. So. No, that's true. It's a little different. I think Mary Jane is a huge Uh, influence here. I agree. Okay. Um, Bruce pretty creepily remarks on how she's grown, which is always, you know, a thing. Okay, so I don't think he says it in a creepy way. I think he says it in a way that is totally acceptable. But the context of the scene kind of quickly makes it unacceptable. Yes. Keep going. And then he does like that weird thing where he like puts his hand under her chin. He puts his hand under her chin. Which is like a, that's like a classic, like, I don't know what you call that. I don't like when people do that. (laughs) I Honestly, it didn't bother me. What was, I thought was funny was... I know you're not even there yet because you have to, have to go through the rest of the scene, but when she leaves, there's like this yeah. barely there moment where Lucius Fox kind of looks over at Bruce and he kind of gives him an eye. It's barely there. It's barely animated, but there's 100% a beat there. And in that beat, I totally read like, she was pretty hot, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or did you see her? Like, that's yeah, there is a beat there. See, this is why it would be much better if it was Morgan Freeman's Lucius Fox, because well, you know his face the, would have been... That's one of the great portrayals, yeah. oh, is truly, truly Lucius good. Fox as... I, uh, sorry, Morgan Freeman as I Lucius love, Fox. I love Morgan Freeman as that Lucius Fox. That, for me, is almost up there with J.K. Simmons, J. Jonah Jameson, yeah, yeah. which is, we all agree, the, best. the greatest adaptation. The most accurate comic book yes. depiction of any character ever. Then Gordon goes out of his way to inform the viewers and also Bruce that she's home from college and that he she's made the Dean's List, so she's bright. Uh, Bruce then points out Barbara's teddy bear in her purse. Yes, she Whoopi. 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 She says the teddy bear's name is Whoopi, and that apparently her dad can't seem to get to the airport without the teddy bear, which embarrasses so cute. Jim Gordon. He blushes. So much. He blushes. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, look at oh, uh, the scene is so cute. Uh, he knows. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, yeah, you know, he's, uh, she won't. She loves this bear." <laughs> and, yeah, he actually has some kind of silly line, like, yeah. well, he knows the way or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he knows the way better, yeah. It's so cute. I love Jim Gordon. Um, well, actually, this scene ends up being pretty key yeah. because it, it tells us everything we need to know about their relationship. And, and how important this teddy bear is to right. Jim Gordon. Right. Like, it's more important to him than it is to her. But also, as much as Jim, like, might be a hard ass when he's the commissioner of police, like, when it comes to anything relating to Barbara, he's very soft. Yeah. That's the kind of dad he yeah. is. It's the warmth. Yeah. And that's what's going to be so telling later. Yeah. Also, at the same time, uh, she's Batgirl. So... <laughs> well, Bruce, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Bruce then drives not off... Yet. <laughs> but you're not king. But you're not Batgirl. Not yet. But then Bruce drives off to uh, Rossum's Coastal Stronghold, which, you know, just has villain base written all over it. Cybertron Industries. And Bruce is greeted by a terrifying little robot who indicates that he knows it's Bruce Wayne. He welcomes him. Oh, I thought he was cute. You thought he was terrifying? He is cute, but it's... Bruce Wayne is kind of He's put off by it. Yes, he's put off by it. And the fact that the thing kind of speaks to him via its screen face is a little creepy. It's like cute creepy. Cute creepy. Yeah. That's that's yeah. The, the, yeah. the one. Well, actually, also, that little robot says a lot. Yeah. Which is just like, because by the time we see it in part two, we know it has a different purpose. Yeah. This cute little robot kind of says to us like, hey, these things that look like this thing aren't really this thing. Yes, exactly. And that's all the robots here. Yeah. 
and it's also kind of given off some of the vibes uh, that that the other robots have given off as well. Right. We then see... The uh, whole episode, none of the robots are cool. No. They're all unsettling. Yes, of course. Blossom then meets Bruce and takes him into his glass elevator up to his office. He then uses a whole bunch of robot devices to make Bruce some cappuccino. He's got a robotic ottoman that gives a foot massage. All of it's a little terrifying. We should discuss Rossum for a second. Yes. Um, I want to discuss this character, which I know is kind of a lift of the Blade Runner character. Yeah. He's very similar. But um, I'm being totally serious, not like a funny podcast moment. This is the kind of spokesperson you want mm-hmm. for a robot company. Mm-hmm. Because robots, by their very nature, AI in general, yeah. it's kind of a sinister concept. Yeah. It's a cold thing to think about. And to have like a cute, warm, southern gentleman yeah. that has kind of like an aw shucks demeanor yeah. is exactly the kind of person who you want to sell you this stuff and who you might trust. Guys like Steve Jobs, yeah. Tim Cook, Bill Gates, they are not that. No. I don't think as brilliant as all those men are. They're not good ambassadors Ambassadors for the next generation of technology because the next generation of technology scares people. Yeah. But if you have a guy like Rossum in this episode who's like, well, he, he's kind of a guy who talks like this, real gentle-like, and yeah. he seems real unassuming, yeah. American audiences especially would trust someone like yep. this to say, hey, this technology can make our lives better. If they have like super erudite, you know, almost like condescending Steve Jobs type talking to them about the next gen tech. They don't want it. Yeah. Steve Jobs is really good as an ambassador 20 years ago because technology wasn't scary. It was kind of like, look at the cool stuff we can do. And I probably shouldn't use Steve Jobs as an example yeah. because he's got kind of like the visionary thing going yeah. on. But actually, Cook is a good example yes. because he's just more like, sort of like, oh yeah, chilly guy dressed yeah. in black. I'm afraid. Yeah. 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 Almost or like even a robot himself. Even Musk. Yeah. Um, who, listen, I know he's a very divisive personality, but chaos. he he seems like he could be selling you something dangerous. Yes. A guy like Rossum seems really non-threatening. That actually ends up being really important for yes, the character. Yes, absolutely. Um, we then go into the Hardak room. A giant computer that <laughs> kind of looks Hardak like... Hardak is terrifying. Hardak is totally terrifying. He kind of looks like Batman, kind of looks like Hal. Uh, Rossum introduces the AI as Hardak, which a woman, who is clearly a robot walks out and easily describes the acronym. So apparently HARDAC stands for Holographic Analytical Reciprocating Digital Computer, a supercomputer originally built to showcase the potential of AI for industrial purposes in Batman the Animated Series. Very, Look at that. Very, What's funny very is cool. I don't think it does anything holographic. No, it doesn't. I think it's kind of a no nonsense sense. acronym. I think it's just a bunch right. of words they threw together. It is a cool-sounding acronym. I, I'll give you More that. importantly. I, get, I give you that. So, uh, the woman is introduced as Randa Dwayne. Bruce extends his hand for a shake, and he, she shakes his hand, and he comments that her hand is, like, as cold as ice. Because she's... She's a robot. She's a robot. She's a robot. Um, she she's, a, she's a blank. <laughs> I've heard nothing in the last few minutes better than smashy, smashy Eggman. <laughs> she Get attrib- your foot off her. <laughs> she attributes the cold hand to being in the cold room... Which I'm not sure what that is. I don't even know if that's a thing. I don't know um, if that I know exists. computers need cold. I don't know if that's like maybe she was with the servers. Well, yes, you have to keep computers cold because they'll overheat otherwise, but still. Um, I'm saying I, I, that's the only thing I could think yeah, of. Yeah, that's the only thing I could think of. Uh, Rosen doesn't explain really what Hardak does because he won't give it to Bruce. But he has certain <laughs> projects under his control. That scene is so ridiculous because like Bruce is like... The simplest question you could ask. Yeah, what does the machine do? Yeah. Well, I can't give away all my secrets now. And I'm like, you literally told Bruce Wayne nothing. This no. man came all yeah. the way here. He no secrets at all. It's There's no secrets. He wasn't told anything. He wasn't he goes, told anything. He goes, oh, he oversees certain projects. Okay. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't sound that's, suspicious that's great. at all. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then we cut to the robotics room where we see a robot working to build a better, more powerful robot, which is always when things go horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, Bruce uses this break-in conversation to invite Ms. Dwayne to dinner at 8 p.m. the following evening. Because Bruce is a horny, horny man. He's all into it. He doesn't realize that she's a robot, and uh, this will surely turn out to be completely okay. Yeah, I do love how the show is just really, like, for a lot of it, like, Bruce Wayne is just getting laid all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what he does. That's what he does. Yeah, no, absolutely. So back in the robotic room, we see a robot body being what I can only describe as being pressed like into existence with like two different halves of this thing. Yeah. And 
we noticed that it looks exactly like Jim Gordon. That's it. It's a Jim Gordon it's robot. It's our first. It's our first body double. Looks like he has his replacement. Yep. His duplicate. We got a new host in town. Yes, we do. And then uh, Randa Dwayne meets with Hardak, who's upset that she that she did not bring him the design specs he needed. Dwayne says she wasn't able to get them, but we'll try again tomorrow night. Clearly looking to rob Wayne at his house during or after dinner. Hardak is concerned that people with power are getting curious about this operation to, you know, replace all humanity, humanity with robot robotic uh, facsimiles. And I wasn't sure if he was... Was he already talking about Bruce Wayne at that point? No, but I think he's kind of referring to anyone okay. in high power. Right, because I wasn't sure if it was just like, because now we got Gord in the yeah. mix, Mayor Hill will come up yeah. soon. You know, yeah. There's a few of them. Yeah. Um, and then we see a totally naked Jim Gordon duplicate uh, come out and enter the room they get pretty close. Like they show a lot of like he's he's pretty pretty naked. Do we think Jim Gordon has a big dick? I would imagine so. You think so? I mean, does he give you that vibe? Yeah, because you know why he's like, I don't know. What do you think? You don't think so? Oh no, I do think yeah, so. Yeah, I just want to know why you thought so. I think yeah, to manage I think, that city. I was gonna say if you if you are gonna you, be the commissioner you, of police for Gotham City you are the definition of big dick energy yeah, yeah you have to be um, they get pretty far uh, with uh, with <laughs> naked Jim Gordon robot Randa then takes her off her head cover to re- reveal that she's the blonde Marilyn Monroe looking woman who deployed the briefcase bot yes and th- I-, I would say judging by the haircut and the face shape she's definitely modeled on Marilyn oh, Monroe oh 100% yeah. modeled off of uh, Marilyn Monroe yeah. here we cut back to the uh, Gordon house. Wooby is chilling on the couch with Jim while Barbara's on the floor doing her homework and that classic, I'm on the floor doing homework pose. We have to talk about this. Yes. And again, I'm going to put on my resonant pervert hat. Yeah, of course. Uh, Barbara is on the floor in what I'm going to refer to as quote unquote the pose, which is actually like a real thing. Yeah. That pose is a pose. And I think we all know it. Yeah, sure. From life, it's the any girl studying with her feet kicked up pose. But that is also like... A classic magazine pose, mm-hmm. a classic photographer shot, yep. a classic artist shot. Yep. And even if you look at like online, like um, uh, sex workers, pornographic yeah. models, stuff yeah. like that, they refer to that as the pose. Oh, okay. I am not... That I didn't know. It, it's true. I'm not like um, condemning anyone. I think it's actually great, but it weirdly sexualizes her. Yeah. In a way that is coded, yeah. meaning anyone who's not looking for that just sees a girl on the floor studying, yeah. Yeah. but anyone looks for it, anyone who's looking for it sees that girl and it's just like, oh, she's doing the pose uh-huh. with her butt up and her legs up in the air and her bare feet up in the air. Like that's all part of something for some people. So there is some, there's some fetishism yeah, going yeah, on yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Barbara Gordon has a lot of things that are fetishized. She yeah. has red hair. Mm-hmm. She's diminutive in stature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we see her here studying, like we think of a schoolgirl. She's barefoot. There's a lot of stuff there that certain men will uh, attach onto, and I actually hesitate to use the word certain. Yeah. I think Barbara Gordon is one of those characters that, like anybody who likes girls, finds yeah, attractive, men that. and women. Yeah, I totally. Get um, that. So they're giving us a lot in a way that weirdly they didn't give us Lena Kyle no, a lot the which first is weird. time we saw her. You think they would have, right? Um, and again, this is not me judging anyone for sexualizing anyone else. It's just interesting how this is, yeah. and I think she's in front of a fireplace as she well. Is. She is. Like that's there's a lot going on there. There's a actual. A, a, there's actually like a kind of a parallel here with her studying in front of the fireplace, and, and then, then the Bruce date. and yeah. Randa in front of the fireplace yeah. on the and date. And we'll get to yeah. that in a little right. bit. And then, uh, so we see Jim Gordon's reading the paper when there's a knock at the door, and he tells uh, tells Barbara to stay put and keep studying, and he opens the door to see uh, Renda and himself. And I, doesn't this remind everyone of Killing Joke? Yeah, I mean, I mean it's very very similar to Killing he Joke. He opens the door and I realize yes, his duplicate is there, but he gets fucking shot in yeah, the middle of shot his cell with, with, with the, the with, electro with gun. The electro gun, yeah. And then, um, by the way, that's such a stupid weapon to use. Yeah. It is like I get it because haha, robots and electricity, but like a hugely loud, very obvious yes, weapon that yes. doesn't kill the yes, person. No, no. So we then cut back to Wooby, and we hear some electric buzzing in the background. And Barbara gets up to investigate. She, uh, she, she puts her feet in the couch. Come on, bad look, Babs. Um, when she asks to see, when she sees her dad, and she asks if he, he's okay, he very robotically says, "I'm fine," and then he doesn't answer her. When she asks who was at the door, and she notices that his hand is like ice, like Randa's. He then says, I'm fine. And then he knocks Whoopi off the couch. Uh, and when he nobody, knocks, nobody knocks Whoopi off the couch. Right. And when he knocks Whoopi off the couch, Barbara looks at him like, my dad would never do that with this stuffed bear. We learned earlier in the episode that the stuffed bear is very important to him, and right. this is not a thing that he would do. So clearly something's up. Yeah. And then we cut to Wayne Tower. 
where Bruce confirms with Lucius that Rossum knew about the stolen tech, which was a giveaway to him, and that Bruce helps to get some more information out of Randa, and Lucius suggests that he's going to squeeze some information out of her tonight. <laughs> wow. We, I know. Lucius. To, Lucius is a, he's a dog, my, my. man. You dirty dog, to Lucius. Which, to which Bruce replies, well, squeeze might not be the best word. So very, I thought it was just fine. <laughs> and then we enter, Rand, and Randa enters, and Bruce is about to, you know, Bruce is about to have himself some he's gonna fun. Make love to Marilyn Monroe. Bot. He, he's it, very much like the PSA out of Futurama. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not going to go to work. I got my Monroe bot. <laughs> I love that PSA. Was they he make. briefly married to Lucy Lubot, or am I imagining that on Futurama? No, he was just obsessed with Lucy Lubot. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I think I don't. I don't know if they got married, but all I know is he I didn't do anything else. He just he was just making out with this uh, Lucy Lou robot right, right, right. the entire episode. And I don't blame him. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, Randa opens up a compact and she uh, begins to reapply her lipstick. She then leaves the compact on the desk behind them and they leave. Once again, it's absolutely a robot spying device. Right. Lucius the goes to like... The compact mirror becomes yes. a thing as yeah. well. Yeah, it becomes pretty much the same thing as the briefcase. Right, so all of Randa's accessories are robots. Yes. Then the uh, we cut to the Gordon the Gordons at dinner. Uh, Barbara asks him how the roast is. The roast is fine, daughter. Fine, fine, <laughs> fine. And then fine. She, she does not compute. Fine, does not fine. Compute. She gets mad at him and storms off, and she's like, "Oh, come on." <laughs> She thinks he's mad at her. Yeah, I know. Which is very funny. Did she funny. make the roast? I don't think so. I would assume I don't know. so. I Who think, made it? You think she made it? There's no mom. I don't know any college girls that make a roast. I don't know. Maybe she likes the Maybe cook. back in the 30s or whenever this show takes yeah, place. I things. assume they both made You know what? No. She did make the he's, roast. He's not going to make the roast. The fucking robot didn't yeah, make, the roast. make the roast. You're right. I'm wrong. She Never made mind. the roast, and that's why she's asking, well, how's the roast? And he's like, it is fine. It is fine, daughter. Which is, which is like, <laughs> if someone... Okay. As someone who cooks... A few times a week for my family. If you put food on the table and you ask yeah. everyone how it is, and the response is, it's fine. You're fucking leaving it's the house. It's bad. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's not right? good. It's fine. Is, we better go get the ketchup. Yeah, it's fine is, means it's not very good. <laughs> right. It's fine. You're in trouble. Yeah, it's not good. Good Lord. Good. You got to leave. Um, she storms off like a, like a typical college student with an attitude. <laughs> And then we cut to Bruce's office. We see the compact beeping and it turns into a robot that wheels over to the computer, uses its robot arms to download the data from Wayne Tech. Then we cut to Bruce, then we cut to Wayne Manor. Bruce and Randa are having what I can only describe as like a 1960s or 70s <laughs> sexy fireplace dinner. This is a Ron Burgundy yes, dinner. Ron if, Burgundy, I, if I ever saw one. Austin Powers, like <laughs> nobody does this. Right. Nobody does this. They're 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 um he starts to try to then, they're, they're, what they're doing is they're having like an indoor picnic dinner in front of the fireplace, which, as we said earlier, parallels the... Yeah, Barbara studying in front Barbara, of the fireplace. Barbara back studying in front, yeah. in front of the fireplace. Um, Bruce starts to ask Randa about, Randa about, the, uh, about Rossum and the experiments, and then the phone rings. Bruce picks it up, and he says, it's him. And he immediately, within seconds, he doesn't, there's no time to listen to a phone call. He says, I'm on my way. And he apologizes to Randa, and he has to go out. <laughs> right. Now, very, it's very odd. <laughs> I imagine this happens with a lot of Bruce Wayne's dates where he randomly just has to leave to go be Batman. But usually they're not murderous robots. Right. So we cut back to Wayne's office. Lucius is looking to see if they got the wetware specs. And after a few seconds, Lucius confirms they did. Or we now did see, they? Or did they? We don't mm. know yet. We see that the compact robot... Uh, comes back to life on the ledge outside the window and then sticks its eye up kind of to kind of like pay attention to what's going on in the room. Yeah, so Bruce is pretty clever because they didn't get the files. No, they didn't. He put a dummy file on there right. and then he lets Lucius Fox know that he has a backup at home. And But the compact is listening. Yes, the compact yeah. is listening and it transmits all the data to Hardak. Hardak calls to Randa, telling her to search the house. Randa searches the house. So I think what we can surmise at this point is Randa is not... Um, she's not autonomous. Nope. She is just like a body for hard ass. She just yeah. She but just, they have to communicate to each other. She just is better at communicating than say Gordon's robot. We we will talk about Robo Gordon in the next episode. Yes, of course, of course. <laughs> um, I am fine. Fine, fine. <laughs> I am fine. Uh, she, she bumps into Alfred, who then offers her tea, but then she hits him with a stun gun. <laughs> This weapon is ridiculous. It's very it's good. It's so loud and it's, crazy. It's very, I love it. It's very, very... It's, I, but also, I love it. I, it's perfect. very fun. It's perfect. Because Alfred just fucking explodes yeah. when this thing hits yeah. him. Yeah, it just totally liquefies him. 
Uh, we cut to Wayne's office. He calls the house. There's no answer. Obviously, Alfred always answers the phone. Even when Alfred's he's in the bathroom. Alfred's fucking fired. Yeah, he's done. Taking it out of his pay. Uh, Randa then continues <laughs> to search the house for some using some high-tech goggles and finds the entrance to the back cave, which is behind a bookshelf. Oh, yeah. This was a very funny moment. Yeah. She enters the Batcave and informs Hardak that Bruce Wayne <laughs> is Batman. Yeah, she's like, interesting find or whatever she says. Yeah, Bruce, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Batman. Hardak's like, all right, whatever. I don't care. I don't care. Where are the files? <laughs> right, which I, I thought was such a good reaction because in the previous episode for A Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne, the whole episode yep. was about how important it was yep. that Bruce Wayne was Batman. And for Hardak and Randa, it's like, yeah, okay, whatever. The, the guy's Batman. It doesn't care. matter. We the, see the files. The robots don't this care. They guy. don't know the implications of right. that information. right. Um, Wayne goes home he notices that Alfred has been knocked out and Alfred says that he must have dozed off which is weird because there's like spilt tea <laughs> right I must have dozed off I don't remember being viciously electrocuted <laughs> and dropping the tea all over the carpet he probably pissed himself yeah definitely I'm just saying I think that's what it happens like yeah. a stun gun right Batman enters the back cave and asks the back computer to scan but it's got like a wee wee ow, ow, no 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 thing it, going it on. did the same thing my printer does when yeah. it's unhappy yeah 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 <laughs> it, sound, it, it, uh, it definitely got a, a malware virus from downloading a Blink-182 song in 2001 uh, right it had yeah. LimeWire <laughs> yeah it had LimeWire and got totally screwed up uh, and then Batman is grabbed by the robotic arms he used to pull up the glider. That's it. So we called it. And then Batman is being pulled up, screaming, and the episode ends. All right. That's the episode. It says, uh, to be continued. And um, what, are so, your, what are your closing thoughts on Heart of Steel Part 1? I really Mi- liked Miguel. it. I really like this episode. It's an episode that's uh, not really a Batman episode. But it doesn't. It's not really a typical Batman story. But it's just this kind of. Oh, really, I, see, I see. what you mean. It's yeah. it's a it's a yeah. sci-fi. It's a sci-fi story starring story, Batman. Starring Batman, which I like. Yeah, I like that about it, and I think that's really cool. And I think all the nods are good, and the references are great, and I love the introduction of Barbara Gordon. And then it's nice to see how she's starting to grow into Batgirl, a character we're all very eager and excited to see. And uh, what about you? I love this episode. Yeah, I so I actually, I yeah. love the episode more as a whole, and we'll yeah. get into that into part two as well, but I lo- all the setup here is so good and pays off so nicely in the second half. I and agree. this is a fun episode that actually uh, puts out good questions for viewers and really lets them wonder about something and really lets them see a side of Batman's world we haven't seen, which yeah. is this world of next generation technology yeah. Yeah. and the threat it poses to humanity. Yeah. And also, I mean, this is the best part. It gives Batman a new type of villain. Yep. He's never fought something like this before on this show. Because Hardak is kind of a... Yeah, it's it's almost like his brainiac. I would say that you're 100% right. And I also think that this is a Batman villain that's very much more tied to what I would consider to be a Silver Age villain. It's a Silver Age villain. And yeah. thus, with a Silver Age robot villain, yeah. it doesn't have human motivations. So, like, our animated series Batman, who's a very compassionate hero... He doesn't have a lot of tools to no. really deal with this villain. No, no. Also, at the same time, robots are great villains because you can kill them. A hundred percent. You can kill them and it's fine. Robots and not, Nazis. You can cut their heads off. What I mean is on a kid's show, yes, robots and Nazis for sure. But on a kid's show, when you fight a robot, you can decapitate it. Right. You can rip its arms off. Right. You Something can blow that it up. because of standards and practices we can't yeah. see with a lot of yeah. our but humanoid villains. But it's a robot. Villains, right? It's a robot. Uh, yeah. Well, where would you rank this one? You know, at first I thought it was maybe, you know, like, um, top half or so, or like the middle of the pack, but I actually think it's a little bit better than that. I think so too. I think it's in the top third. I think in the top third, I would say maybe in the top 30, maybe, you know, maybe high twenties. I think it's really good. Yeah. It's really good. I don't, I don't think my ranking for it would be that different. I loved it. Yeah. And and as I mentioned at the top, it wasn't an episode I was like, no, super jazzed about as a kid watching it now as an adult I'm like this is fucking great yeah no it's amazing and I really want want it to just be one single feature like I want it to be yeah I was really happy that this was a two-parter yes. I was like they yes. they need oh, the time yeah. give for me this. some more yeah give me some more but uh next time we're going to talk about Heart of Steel part two so are you sure you don't want to do some other episode in between just like they used to do to us no I don't think so I oh, think okay. we're going to do this right. the real real way and the right way got it and I do have to say, we didn't really mention her too much, but I do think that the uh, Melissa Gilbert performance of Barbara Gordon is really good. Uh, she's great. And, uh, of course, legendary television actress, actress yeah, uh, Melissa from Gilbert. Yeah, Little, Little House Little on the House. Prairie. Yeah. Uh, eventually, uh, she will be replaced yeah. by a few people. Right. Um, but more, Melissa Gilbert does a really good job of establishing really, the character. Really, really good job. Uh, really, really good job there. And uh, eventually, we will get Tara Strong's Batgirl later on. But um, Right. And Tara Strong has the sort of more definitive take on the role. But yeah, Melissa I Gilbert's so. really good. I think so. Gilbert's great. And uh, yeah, man. Thanks for joining us. 
This was the Batman Tastic Cast for Jordan Hugh. I'm Mike Staub. Thank you, and see you next time. Same bat time. Same bat channel. It's fine. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. If you want to support the show, please feel free to find Jordan and I on social media, as well as Batman Tasticast all out there on your social media channels. And if you really want to help us out, you can give us a like or subscribe to our show, or please give us a five-star review on the podcatcher if you're choosing, because, well, that helps people like you find it out there in the world and also become fans of the show. Jordan and I have a lot planned for this show moving forward, and we can't wait to share that stuff with you. But in the meantime, feel free to reach out to us if you've got any tidbits of information or any factoids or anything you just want to discuss regarding Batman. We're here for it. See you next time.